Let's welcome Mitch. All right. Some of you are probably wondering, didn't I just see that guy up on stage? Pray some of our worship team fell sick last night, so we had to make some last-minute changes. And I'm, I'm so thankful we have uh, an awesome worship team that can change things very last minute. Uh, can we just give them a, 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 just a thank you, guys, for being so open to, to anything that happens. Uh, but uh, with that, I'm a little tired this morning. So I need you guys to just, every amen that is in the, the belly of you, to just let it out. Like if you feel it, you're like, just, just amen. Amen. Well, I want to speak to you guys today out of the book of Zechariah. You're welcome to turn there. It's uh, right before Matthew, two books before Matthew. So the end of the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah. Not preached out of that often in a lot of places. But uh, I'm thankful we're at a church that we preach out of the whole Bible. Right? Yeah. So I want to talk to you guys today about asking for rain. Asking for rain. And that once again is in the book of Zechariah chapter 10. We're going to pick up on verse 1 and 2. Zechariah chapter 10 verses 1 and 2. It says, ask rain from the Lord at the time of the spring rain. The Lord who makes the storm clouds and he will give them showers of rain, vegetation in the field to each man, for the teraphim speak iniquity, and the diviners see lying visions and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wander like sheep, and they are afflicted because there is no shepherd. Now, at first glance at this passage, you're probably thinking, this might not be a, a super encouraging, fun message. <laughs> but let me assure you, stick with me, because it's got some awesome truths and challenging things in it that we're going to look at today. And... With that, you know, lately I've, I've found myself uh, with a certain pull or draw to what some people might think as odd, and that is to pray. I'm going to say that again. Some people might find that odd, but to pray. And I'm not meaning, Lord, thank you for this food. I'm meaning to actually pray. To pray. To spend time with God, not just for my own needs or for my own wants or for my own family and friends, but uh, actually specifically for this church, for you guys. Because I want to see a, a move of God here. Does anybody else want to see that? Awesome. Well, I hope every hand would raise if I asked that again. But I want to see God move here. And I confess to you, I think you could probably relate to, you, to this at least most of you. We have some super spiritual people here that do not relate to this. But it's not always fun, and I'm not always eager to just pray. Does anyone else feel that way? Yes. But watch this. The priority of prayer is the precursor to movement. I'm going to say that again. The priority of prayer is the precursor to movement. Someone once said that you can measure a church's path for revival by the attendance of its prayer meetings. Shameless plug, 6 o'clock tonight, prayer. But you can measure a church's path for revival by the attendance of its prayer meetings. 
In the book of Zechariah, the man, the prophet Zechariah, finds himself in a similar state to what I believe in that we are in today, that his nation and his people are in distress and peril. If you've watched the news or anything lately, you can probably see that we're going through some of that. But his people found difficulty in the opposition that seemed to ceaselessly surround them without reprise. And Zechariah arrives on the scene to a people that have tried to take on the goal and sometimes the burden of rebuilding the temple of God. They're trying to remake a place that welcomes in the presence of God. I think we often find ourselves in that similar place, not just in our churches but in our own lives, that we're trying to make a place because we want God to move. We want him to to come. We want him to intervene, especially in certain situations. And that's where Zechariah comes in. He comes in with a challenge, the challenge that I'm giving to you this morning, to complete the task. Complete the task that God has given you. We often ask God for direction, but we haven't finished what he has already told us to do. We ask God for direction, and and we don't finish what he has already told us to do. I have been guilty of that. Those moments, maybe you can relate, where you're just praying, God, tell me what to do. And for, for me, I feel like he's just standing or sitting there and saying, I did. <laughs> I did tell you what to do. Sometimes, Mitch, you just need to read your Bible and see what you need to do. But the task in Zechariah's day, day was to rebuild the temple. And in our day, we are the temple. We are the temple of God. The people of Israel had been working on this goal for about 12 years years, and they were tired. And everyone around them was trying to stop them and discourage them. And do you ever feel like that sometimes, that people around you don't always have what's best for you in mind? Yeah? Yeah, that's a thing, right? (laughs) But as the result of this, watch this, they developed uh, a sense of apathy. It's an apathy is a lack of interest or enthusiasm or concern. And sometimes we have to look at our lives and, and wonder if we often, or at least occasionally, can develop that same sense of apathy in our life with a, a lack of interest in even coming to church or lack of enthusiasm. And maybe you're already thinking, man, I'm ready to leave. <laughs> Or a lack of concern, get this, for the lost, for the unsaved, for the broken, for the homeless, for the orphan, for the widow. We have to look at what is happening in our lives because Israel, watch this. At this time, all they had to do to welcome the presence of God was to finish the temple. And get this, 12 years went by. And I feel like I can relate to that Because I look back on my life more than 12 years now, and I see I'm not really in the place that I thought I'd be. We can can let that sometimes happen to us where we start off so well. We are excited about what God has done, what he is doing, but these things creep into our life, and all of a sudden, 12 years have gone by, 
and the temple's not complete. We often can push God to, a, uh, to the back burner, to be often, to be honest, or, or what you might call the keep warm setting on a crock pot. You ever see those? Like, just keep it warm. I, I feel like sometimes we, we treat our relationship with God as if he's just throwing in a bunch of ingredients and going to call it a stew. It's going to just cook overnight. We don't have to pay attention. But I think when you're cooking with God, when you're cooking with God, he likes to do more than that. I feel like he would do more of a 12-course meal, that even if you skip some, you have a whole bunch of more courses in there. And the most important part of that is, if you follow the directions, he's going to bring you to do a lot of things that you couldn't do on your own. And then watch this with that same analogy. Uh, a meal that big is not just for you to partake of. It's not even just for your family to partake of. But the, the meal that is your life is for you and your family and everyone that is in your circle and everyone that can even see your circle. They're going to partake of your life. So Zechariah comes in at this moment and he's calling out to the people, let's complete this task that God has given us. Let's welcome in the presence of God. There are so many things that, that seek to distract us from God being our priority. And Zechariah saw this, and that's why in verse 2, he uses a word called teraphim. And if you look up that word, it essentially means family idol. And that's something that you would hold dear. And I, I feel like I can, ex I can express this because I've done this, that you have something so close to you that you don't even really think about giving it to God. You just you keep it so close. But if your, your family or your friends will look at you and be honest with you, it's that thing that they know is more important than God in your life. You see, watch this. Israel knew they were the people of God when they were gathered together like we are today but they kept idols at home. They kept idols at home. We often think revival in the church will affect my family. So we bring our kids, we bring people, and hopefully they are affected by the church. But this is the most important thing. It's revival in the family and in the person in the home that causes revival in the church. It starts with the individual letting God move in the home. And Zechariah knows this, and that's why in order to fix his nation, has to fix the home. He has to fix the home. In verse 2 it says, Teraphim, speak iniquity. And that word speaks means to destructively answer, command, or subdue. And the word iniquity or vanity, whatever translation says, means nothingness or trouble or evil. So what that means is when we hold something dear to us over God in our life, it is causing destruction in our life and will bring nothingness and trouble. I feel like some of us can relate to that today, where we might feel like there's nothingness in our life, or there's trouble that just will not stop. And it's almost as if we, we don't have hope, even though we know God is our hope, and we're just, we're just like a candle looking at a, a candle in the night. Just it's that little blinking of hope. 
when it is not meant to be that way. I was watching a, a show the other day, and the next day I was trying to worship and trying to prepare things for a service I was uh, involved in, and all I could think of was, man, that was a really awesome episode. <laughs> You ever, you ever get there? You're trying to pray. You're trying to do whatever that you think God wants you to do. And just this thing that, that you really like is just coming up in your mind. And not to say that, you know, watching a show is bad in any way. But sometimes we get so caught up in other people's stories that we don't pay attention to what's going on in our own. whether it's a, a show, a friend, a family member, a thing, an activity, whatever it is, we, we often want to, to live through other things instead of what's going on inside. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this, that sometimes I choose things that I don't have to think about, so I don't have to think about the things I need to do. An example of this is, many of you know I've been working on my house for what seems an eternity. And it's not finished, but I'm trying really hard. And, but sometimes, honestly, and I know my wife is going to hear this, I just don't want to work on it. <laughs> I get tired of it. And there are an occasion where I have time to work on it for a couple hours, and I choose not to. <laughs> I choose not to. <laughs> yes, yeah, she, she just claimed an amen there. But watch this. We can find time to watch a show or play a game, take a nap, do whatever else. But can we find time to spend with God every day? I know that is a struggle for many of us. I'm asking, what is your priority today? What is your family idol? Verse 2 keeps going and it talks about false dreams. And these are, are things that are good, not bad necessarily, but aren't necessarily from God. Because you know that's a thing. Not every good thing that comes to us is necessarily from God. I think some of us need to hear that today. Not every opportunity that comes in your lap is from God. A great way to distract a Christian is to give them a good thing and not, not the best thing. How quickly we bring things into our lives without praying if they are from God. And it goes on, it says a word called comfort. It says it comforts in vain. And that word comfort, I, I know you can relate to this because I did so well. It means like a whisper or enchantment or an enticement. It's that thing that just keeps pulling at us that is not necessarily bad or maybe it is that we end up thinking that we need to do instead of following what God wants us to do. And Zechariah describes this with a word, wandering. Wandering without a shepherd. We have to remember, though, that Zechariah is one of the most messianic books in the Bible, which means that he likes to talk about Jesus. He he was talking about Jesus before Jesus came down to earth as a baby. 
So he likes to talk about Jesus, and he does that. So when he says that there is no shepherd, he means exactly that. It's like that there is no shepherd. The phrase wonder or their way here is a symbolization of pulling up a tent peg and starting a journey. So you have a people that have no foundation stuck and a people that have started a journey without a shepherd. A people with no leader, and that's what it's like when we don't put God first in our life. We, we get that sense of wondering. What are we doing here? I'm lost. And Zechariah says, it's because you haven't had the foundation. You haven't followed after God. You haven't rebuilt your temple and welcomed the presence of God into your life like you need to. But in verse 4, if you thought this was a downer until now, here it is. <laughs> Verse 4 brings in the answer. Zechariah describes it as the cornerstone, the tent peg, the bow of battle. It's the fact that God has a plan for your life, and it's Jesus. So he's going from just needing to finish uh, the temple corporately to what is really at the heart of the matter. Zechariah sees this. It's building the temple in your, yourself. It's walking the presence of God in where you live. It's putting Jesus first as your foundation. So when it describes him as the cornerstone, it's what you are building on. We often want to just put the cornerstone on top of what we've already built on. Does anybody else do that? A few of us here. But Jesus is meant to be the cornerstone. What everything is built on. He's the tent peg. The, the thing that holds you down and helps cover you when it's raining or, or when it's hot, whenever it is. It's that shelter that you need. He's the, the, the bow of battle that fights for you. He's the shepherd that cares for you. It all comes back to welcoming in the presence of God. Not just in a church on an, in an hour and a half on a Sunday morning but every day in your own home, watch this, through the mess of your family and through the mess of your bills and time and sleeplessness and difficulties and everything else that we go through, Jesus, the presence of God. I was speaking with someone uh, in the last couple of weeks and I concluded them with them this thought that I've had a lot of blessings in my life. And with that same thought, it has always been hard. <laughs> what I mean by that is it takes faith and it takes stretching and trusting in God. And I know so many of uh, the mature Christians here today would say it's worth it, right? And watch this, though. We have walked in more blessings and miracles with God in our difficulties than we would have ever had without him. And some of us need to decide if we want that decision in our life or not. I call it blessed that I walk in the presence of God, not blessed that everything is going great. And that's a big difference. Let me ask you this. Do you pray with your family? I loved it this morning without asking. My wife Jasper knew I was struggling this morning because I had to. I ended up having to sing, and I, I got here early, and I couldn't go through my message again. And uh, 
And she came over and just prayed for me. Does your spouse do that? Does your roommate do that? Can people expect to find you sometimes on your knees or with your hands lifted high just spending time with God? And I ask you this because I myself am challenged by this, and I'll tell you why. It's because I know some of the greatest influences in my life were finding my parents or mature Christians that I greatly respected in prayer or worship anywhere, in the car, at my home, or at the church. What is influencing your life? Revival starts in the home. It starts in the mom that decides the best mom that she could be is filled with the Spirit of God. And practicing Christianity, showing her kids that God and the fellowship with believers is priority number one over everything else. It's over sports. It's over some music. It's over whatever activity besides that. And those are great things. But it's not as important as God. It's the dad that sees the best gift he can give to his children is to pursue God. More than a job. And more than sports or fun or anything else. Pursue God. What is most important to you? And even if that is most important to you, is it evident that it's most important to your children? Because that is also two different things. We must rebuild the temple in our lives and home if we want to see a move of God. The result of that is what I'd like to call true reign. True reign. What happens when we do this? Well, the people that had doubted, the people that tried to stop us, the people that tried to discourage us like Israel are faced with the realization that there is a God. Because he's moving. Because he's moving in my life. And you can see that. I love telling some of the testimonies in my life because people just stand there kind of dumbfounded like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. Like, you could check whatever. You could check the bank records. I didn't have that money. God gave me that. God helped give me this house. God helped do this. God helped do that. Do you have a testimony? I'm sure you do. Are you sharing it? Because it's an awesome thing. It is an awesome thing. You know, I saw a video recently called Tortured for Christ, which I know is a harsh title. Um, I didn't even mean to watch it. It just accidentally started playing, and I decided to watch it. But in this uh, documentary slash movie, I remember watching, uh, and this is based on a true story, but as a man was being beaten for preaching, he came back to the, the people after being taken away, and he, he asked them this, where did I leave off? And it just struck me like, is that my faith? Do I have faith like that? Another man in that same, same uh, story said this, we learned that every soul won must be made a soul winner. I think sometimes we have lost that in, in American Christianity today. 
Are we winning souls? Because in, in the Old Testament, outside of the temple, the non-believers could see the praise. They could see the thanksgiving. They could hear it coming out of the walls. They could see it in the lifestyle of the people that spent time in the presence of God. Do people see that in your life? Watch this. Are you scared sometimes to go to the store because you don't want people to see what your life is like? As the presence of God fills us, we should want to see others filled. The results of building a temple is that God sends the rain. He sends his presence. And the results of rain are not just blessing. It's not just getting what we want. Rain is for growth. And that's, a, that's a great and exciting thing. In fact, the rain is talking about here is the latter rain. It's the last rain that causes produce to swell, to grow, to ripen, and to harvest, to mature. Watch this. If we don't realize that true blessing in our life is the growth God wants to do in us, then we will only equate the love of God we see with the material possessions we receive. We could miss out on what God is actually wanting to do. Our passage here is in the midst of God bringing deliverance. But check this out. He brings deliverance to us so that we can spend time in his presence. I've gotten that wrong before. It's really easy to be set free so I can do whatever I want. (laughs) But the reason he sets us free is to spend time in his presence. We are on display as temple builders and presence dwellers. He wants to send the rain and his greatness is displayed through this. He, he is proclaimed here in this passage as the one who makes the storm clouds. He's ready to pour out. Are you ready to receive, church? It says, ask for rain. Asking God for rain or his presence prepares us to receive it. Asking God prepares us to receive it. The thing that drew me to this passage most, I want you to just watch this because it just shocked me. The whole reason I just wanted to preach on this passage. Zechariah says, ask for rain when it is already time for rain. Ask for rain when it is time for rain. Even though you know it's coming, why does he say to do this? The key to asking, I believe, is found in the phrase, each man, or everyone, whatever your translation says. And that phrase means the individual and the steward. It's the desire for each person to have the presence of God on his or her own land. God expects us to steward what he gives us, and that includes the presence of on our lives. When we do this, he, he says he will bring the rain that causes vegetation, right? But that's not just what you live on. It's, it's not only that, it's, 
in the word field, which is at the end of that verse, it means a place spread out. Because watch this, God doesn't want to just send his presence on a specific part of your life. He wants to send it throughout every part of your life. And he wants it to soak into your ground and cause vegetation and growth to grow in every area of your life. Every area. He wants the presence of God is meant to be inundated in your life, soaked into your ground, into your family, into your home, into your job, into your relationships. And it's not until we allow that to happen that the full presence of God, like he wants to come into a place like this, will happen. Because remember, it's revival that happens in your home that affects the church. That word makes in the one who makes the storm clouds means accomplishes, appoints, in charge of, commits, and finishes. God wants to finish this in your life, and he's already appointed it to happen. Ask for it. We see the same thought of this throughout the Scriptures. In Acts 2.17, I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. On Acts uh, 8, 17, and 19, they begin laying hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts eleven fifteen, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did upon us at the beginning. Galatians 3, 2, and 3, John 16, Joel 2, 23, he has given you the early and latter rain. Joel 2, 28, I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. There's many more places in the Word. But what's most important is that God wants to bring rain into your life. He wants to bring his presence, which is his blessing. Build the temple, ask for rain, and steward what you've been given. It is not enough to know about the rain or even that it is coming. I'm going to stop right there. It's not enough just to know about the rain, know about God's presence, or even know that it is coming. You have to ask for it. You have to desire it. That's what God wants, and that's what Zechariah is calling for, to prepare for it. So let me ask, what have you been preparing for? What temple are you building? Because we're always building some type of temple. And if it's not God, it's something else. As the worship team comes, I'm going to leave you with a few thoughts. There's a word that's it's harsh, but I love it because of what comes after it. The word is repent. But you can't have revival without repentance. I'm going to ask any of you today, if you need to repent for not building the temple in your life and in your family, or if you've let maybe apathy creep in and you're just not excited about your relationship with God anymore and serving other people, or for maybe letting false dreams in and things that you shouldn't be seeking after, or for whatever family idol you might have let into your life that is actually most important to you. It's bringing death into your life and in your family. When God wants to bring life, he wants to bring rain and he wants to bring growth. In all of this, remember, 
that rain is coming. And we can be excited about that. We can look forward to that. And he has a plan set in motion to do this, but he wants you to want it. And to illustrate this, I want you to think of a child receiving a gift on their birthday. And it was already planned by the parent or whatever gift giver it was. It was already planned. And in fact, the party was already in motion. But the parent or whatever gift giver it is wants to be involved in the conversation of wanting. The conversation of wanting. So I ask you today, when it comes to your relationship with God, are you involved in the conversation of wanting? Will you ask for rain? And will you prepare your temple? Will you welcome the presence of God into your life? And so with that, if you want to respond to that, if God is just pulling on the, the strings of your heart right now, if you hear the call of Zechariah, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and choose right now to let's rebuild the temple. Let's focus on it and complete the task that God has given. So if that's you, you can come now. Or if it's you that needs, if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, then now is your time. Now is your time. And if you need any other prayer this morning, feel free to come down to the front. But if none of that is, is pulling on you, if you are good, I'm going to ask you just to stand up and let's do some worship. And make sure our hearts are right and ready before God.